0: A Productions podcast where we interview authors, speakers, entrepreneurs, artists, people that influence other people. And today I have a good friend of mine uh, who's uh, who's been in, in in my previous podcast Insta Bible. Uh, this time he's uh, made it to the Sleon Productions. Still we're still in the same vicinity, same area, but he couldn't come over due to a cough or a sickness. He is known as the approved guy, director of financing of Orange FI, and founder at Business Credit 101, Sebastian Boyer. Welcome to the Sleon Productions podcast. Hi, Santiago. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So, Sebastian, you're not a stranger to podcasts.
1: Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, sir. So, I'm not a stranger to the podcast because I, I have my own channel. The, my YouTube channel is The Approved Guy. And um, on my channel, I, I, I teach personal credit, business credit, um, business financing. I interview banks and lenders. I also do reviews on business tools and resources. And I also teach a strategy that I like to call Meta Life Banking, which is combining um three things: velocity banking, which is a debt elimination strategy, infinite banking which is an alternative saving strategy where you can protect your money in a tax-free compound interest growth account and um, estate planning, which is really setting up a trust to protect your tangible assets. Um, And so uh, that's what I do on my channel. And um, yeah, you know, you, we met what almost, almost 10 years now. No, I mean
0: five years ago, since 2016, I believe.
1: It has to be before that.
0: No, uh, so no. it's been 7 years this June. I do remember. Seven years June. Yeah. Okay. We yeah. went to, which we met at a, 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 a at our old church a couple of years ago, so 2016. Right. So, you are known as the the approved guy. What is the approved guy and what does it
1: entail? So, the approved guy, you know, basically covers everything I just said. Um the 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 name was given to me by one of my uh, associates uh, because, uh, he was like, oh, you're, you're the approved guy. Cause you get everybody approved for funding. And I was like, you know, I like that. And then the more I kind of meditated on it, um, you know, it, 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 it even has more value because, um, I, I'm approved by God to do what I do. I'm approved by God, not because I'm worthy or because I'm any good, but because he's worthy and, um, he's given me the authority in his name. To do good works for Him, and so um, that's my foundational, uh, dr- uh, I guess, um, driving purpose is to is to honor God. You also
0: are part of OrangeFi, which is a uh, business loan company. Uh, tell us a little bit about OrangeFi.
1: Yeah, so OrangeFi is a business finance, consulting, and procurement service. Um, we've been around since 2013. We are based out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, but we service Nationwide USA, and we, we cover loans from SBA 7A loans to equipment financing, asset-based lending, invoice factoring, um, you name it. If it, there's a business funding program or product on the market, we've partnered up with a bank or lender that provides it. And what we do is we basically do a preliminary underwriting without any inquiry or exposure so we can let our client know if they're gonna qualify and then we help to connect them with the right bank or lender. Um, the, the, the whole um, idea is to minimize our client's exposure to inquiries, um, maximize their funding and really just streamline the process so they're not going around in circles, wasting time with the wrong bank or lender or broker, even worse, getting a bunch of inquiries on their credit. Um, and if our client doesn't qualify, we take the time to educate them um, advise them and, and, and let give them a roadmap so that they know what steps to take so they can qualify.
0: I've known Sebastian for a while, and you've always talked about business credit. If you go to his uh, to his YouTube channel, the Approved Guy, he talks about those steps, gives you a preview of it. Um, why should businesses get business credit?
1: Well, the main thing is you know the the reason you form a business in the first place is to separate liability between your personal social security number and then your business has an EIN or a tax ID number which is essentially your business's social security number. And so when you're if you're not building business credit and leveraging your business credit then you're you're continuing to use your personal credit for your business and so number one is you want to draw a line between the two of them and separate liabilities. Number two is as you build business credit and you get access to more and more funding whether it be through credit cards or loans or lines of credit in the business name, using the business credit, then really there is no limit to how big and how much funding you can get with your business credit, because banks look at it as an investment in a business that is creating a return where personal debt mostly is not giving a return. It's more used for purchasing things that you can't afford, right? Um, so unfortunately, personal debt, te- personal credit does have limitations. Uh, and keep going. Yeah, I'm just showing the oh, audience on yeah, uh, your have. video. so No problem. Uh, personal debt does have limitations. Um, and, and the other thing is on your personal side, the more debt you have is the more that it's going to affect your debt to income ratio, DTI, Right. Um, So, if you're able to transfer debt from your personal credit to your business credit, um, you can carry high balances on the business side, and it's not going to show up on your personal side, which means that your personal debt to income ratio is going to be reduced, which means that when it does come time for you to use your personal credit for major purchases like a house or investment property, or um, if you're going to be buying a car or any assets in your personal name. Um, then your debt to income ratio is going to be lower, which means that you're going to be able to not only qualify, but you'll get better rates um, and terms because you're not only do you have good credit scores, but your debt to income ratio is lower.
0: I remember seeing your presentation a couple of years ago and you showed us steps, you showed me steps of, of the process to get approved. I believe, I believe you had to have your email has to have, your company name, no Gmail, no Yahoo. Uh, you had to get like a business address. Tell us a
1: little bit about that preview of that stuff. Certainly. Yeah, that that's gonna be basically the, 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 the foundation of building your business credit. Um, and and so basically the banks and lenders and the business credit bureaus, they're they're about 10 data points that they look at to verify that in your in their eyes, from their perspective, you're a legitimate credible. Business. Um, So without these data points, you can still do business. You can still make money. But when you're looking to get access to loans and lines of credit, and you're looking to get the best rates and the best terms, if you don't have these data points, you could still get approved in some cases. In some cases, it will cause you to get declined. But even in those cases where you can get approved, you're going to get much better rates and terms when you have these data points in place. And it's basic things that Especially a lot of startups, small entrepreneurs, they don't think they're, it's, it's important and they skip it. But when you look at a major company, you know, they have these things in place. It's just kind of expected, you know, for example, your email address, right? You don't see a major, big, you know, large company on Forbes, you know, that is using a Gmail account for their email. No. And their phone number is not going to be their mobile cell phone. It's going to be a dedicated business line, Right. Um, it's probably going to be a toll-free number and a local line, right? Um, and for the emails, they may have 100 different emails for all their different employees, right? Not to mention, like, some basic ones like info at blank, you know, customer service at blank. You know, these are emails that are associated with your domain name, which gives you a legitimate, credible presence. So, of course, that means you should have a domain name. And you should have a minimal website with a contact page that someone can submit a form. And on that page, it should have your business name, the same way it's listed with um, IRS on your EIN letter, um, your business address, your business phone number, and your business email. Now, your address, if you are a startup entrepreneur, you don't want to pay for an address, that's fine. You can actually still use your home address, and that's not going to hurt you. It just has to be the same. But where it does hurt you is if you want to remain anonymous. Uh, You know, so just like when you buy a website domain name, a web address, you have the option to make it private. You pay a little extra to add that privacy. Um, When you create a company and you form your entity with the Secretary of State and the IRS, you also have the option to have a registered agent that creates uh, anonymity so that you don't, you're anonymous. Um, so who who the public sees is your registered agent um, with the Secretary of State and with IRS. Who um, who they see if they do a domain lookup is going to be usually the domain hosting company if you select that privacy option, right? Well, if you're if you're doing those things to remain anonymous, but then you're using your home address, <laughs> well, you just go to Google, put it in that address, and you can zoom right down to your backyard and see what you were doing last weekend. So um, if you wanna remain anonymous and you're on a budget, you can set up a virtual office. There's several companies that do it, um, but it has to be a legitimate uh, virtual office, meaning it can't be um, virtual in space. It has to be attached to like a real office center, not a mail center or a PO box business address. It has to be located, connected to where other businesses are actually conducting and doing business, and mail can be uh, delivered to that office center for it to be a legitimate business address. So these are your data points starts with your business name, you know, forming the company with with the IRS and Secretary of State, your business phone number, your business domain name, your email, um, having the content on the website. These are all basic things then you need to get listed on 411 directory listings. And that just puts all that data, it pushes it onto public records. So it's going to show up on LexisNexis, which is a data aggregator that shares your information personally and your business information with other bureaus. Um, So these are important steps when you want to make sure that you have a legitimate, credible business versus just having a business. And again, do you need to do these things if you want to you know, form a company and start making money. No. But if you want to form a company, establish the foundation to build business credit on top of, and so that you have a legitimate, credible business from the perspective and eyes of banks, lenders, and the business credit bureaus, then you do want to take those basic steps to make sure that your business is credible. Um, And that's, that's what that is. That's the foundation of your business credit.
0: And yes, it, it could sound very tedious, uh but Sebastian could provide uh educational uh uh resources for you to get that established, you know, little by little and uh that would be uh good for your business to establish, but uh excellent stuff. I I mean, I saw that and you know, hey, it's not that easy, it, it's not that bad. Just one step at a time. You mentioned meta, uh meta uh, Life Banking, banking. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so I I came up with the name MetaLife Banking um because um, for me it kind of it summarizes the the importance of those things. MetaLife as one word um really just simply means down to earth, grounded on, you know, solid ground, like basic foundational fundamentals. That's what MetaLife is. Um so, you know, like right now we're having a MetaLife conversation. We're 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 talking about basic fundamentals, right um, And so for me, those basic fundamentals are three things. One is um, managing debt, eliminating debt, right? So if you're in if you're over, over your head in debt, you want to eliminate and then become a manager of debt. That is not a bad thing if it's managed and it's leveraged. It's a good thing. It's a bad thing if it's over if it's abused and if it's not being leveraged. If you're over leveraged, um, especially if you're if you're not even using it as leverage, but you're just using it to pay for stuff you can't afford, right? Because then it's not leverage. Then it's just bad debt. Period. Right. So number one is getting a hold of that debt. Um, and a strategy. There are strategies to to eliminate that. Some very basic, simple strategies. Of and and it it depends on who you are and how much how well you handle your, your, your um, financials and how much you can juggle different accounts. Um, some people need to keep it simple and just do very basic, simple budgeting. Other people that are more advanced in managing multiple accounts and leveraging various lines of credit can, can practice a strategy called velocity banking. And that is a debt strategy that I teach. So that's one part of it. The next part of it is infinite banking. And basically, infinite banking is using a whole life insurance policy with a major mutual company. And it has to be a major mutual company because they don't have any shareholders. So what they do is they pass on their dividends to their clients, right? So a whole life policy lasts forever until the end of your life. Um, And with these policies, if they're designed properly, the way I designed them for my clients and the way my mentors and the people I work with uh, help our, you know, we help our clients. Um, you're going to basically, you're be, you're able to allocate between 80 to 90% of whatever money you put into your policy. You're able to dedicate that towards the cash value of the policy. So just to break that down really quickly, in a life insurance uh, contract, there are three parties. There's the Owner of the policy, which usually you are the owner of your own policy, but I could buy a policy for you, right? Which would be the second party, which is the insured. And then the third party is the uh, beneficiary. So you have your owner, the insured person, the individual, and you have the uh, beneficiary, right? So because it is a life insurance policy, it does have a cost, which is the death benefit, okay? that is a hard cost. Now, traditionally with life insurance, if you're buying life insurance strictly for the death benefit, right, then you're going to allocate the majority of your premium, the money that you put into the policy, towards the death benefit. So you get the biggest death benefit. But this strategy is using the whole life insurance policy. Yes, you have a death benefit, but what you're doing is you're allocating a minimum funds towards the cost of the death benefit so that you can open up a vault, is what I like to call it, or a saving space inside of the policy, which then allows you to park your money in that vault versus putting it in a savings or checking account with a bank where you're getting 0.3% and the money is at risk, it's it's vulnerable. Inside of a policy like this, it's gonna be growing between three to 6% compound interest growth and this is the only place in the entire IRS tax code that you can put your money where it is tax-free growth. tax-free growth. So you know, if you put in, let's say 100000 dollars into a policy or10,000 dollars, right? On an annual basis, you can allocate a minimum portion of that. Let's just use 10,000, keep it small and simple. Let's say 1200, maybe 1500, is going to pay for the death benefit where the rest of that money is gonna go into the vault, which is cash value. Now that cash value is gonna grow compound interest. But here's the other thing, it's accessible. You can access that money. So it's not frozen. It's not like you're putting in a 401k or a CD where if you need to get access to it, you're gonna pay penalties and fees and taxes. It's not taxable, but it's accessible through a policy loan. So the insurance carrier will issue you a policy loan. However, the funds technically never leave the policy. So that means that it continues to grow inside the policy, tax-free, compounding interest, while you take out a policy loan against it and put it to work in your business or in your investments. So whatever you're doing in business, in life, if you wanna pay off debt, if you want to invest in your business, you want to invest in real estate, in cryptocurrency, in the stock market, you want to get into Turo, you want to get into any type of business, any investment. If you put your money or you funnel it through this type of a structure, protect it here first, then take it out and then invest it, you're, making, you're giving your money about three or four jobs instead of just one job. And here's the best part about this. If you borrowed $100,000 or you took $100,000 out of your savings or checking account and you invested that in something, a business opportunity, whatever you wanna do, and that business opportunity falls apart, it goes south. You lost your $100,000. There would be no recuperating that. That would be a 100% loss if you took it directly out of your checking or savings account. But if you protected your money inside of a life insurance policy, designed the way I'm telling you, and then you borrowed it from the policy. And then you invested it, and you lost that money in your investment. Your repayment of that policy loan is at your discretion. The insurance carrier doesn't tell you when to pay it or how to pay it. You don't have a due date. There's no penalty if you don't pay it back. There is an interest on the loan, and there would typically be an arbitrage between the interest earned compounding growth versus the interest on the loan, if you pay the interest only. This way it doesn't compound against you. But what'll happen is the principal of the loan, if you are unable to pay it back because you lost it in an investment, hypothetically, worst case scenario, as long as you pay your premium, as long as you play that interest, one day when you go, and we're all going to go one day, that's when your death benefit kicks in. So assuming you have a multimillion dollar death benefit and you have a $100,000 outstanding loan, what they're going to do is pay that off through the death benefit. So they're just going to take that 100000 out of the death benefit. So technically, in your living years, you didn't have to pay it back the death benefit was collateralized to pay it back for you. Now, that's not why you buy this policy. That's not why you do this. You don't do this so that you could borrow from it and never pay it back. I'm not advocating that. I'm, ad- I'm telling you that that's a worst case scenario because what you wanna do is you do wanna pay it back and treat it like a line of credit. You basically wanna treat it like a bank, except it's the bank of Santiago. It's the bank of Sebastian. It's my own family bank that I'm creating using this life insurance policy, which is going to protect my money, give me compound interest growth, tax-free growth, give me a death benefit. And when I say protect my money, I mean that in most states, in most cases, nobody can sue your life insurance policy, even bankruptcy. So if there's a civil lawsuit or something happens where you file bankruptcy, if your money's in your bank account, it's fair game. If it's inside of a policy like this, it's protected. So that's the second part of meta life banking, infinite banking. And the third part is estate planning, which has to do with protecting your tangible assets inside of a trust. So your your physical tangible assets from your car to any expensive items that you own, jewelry, watches, paintings, anything you own, uh, assets like real estate, yachts, jets, your business even can be put into your trust. And so number one, it's separate. Your trust is separate from you. So there goes. there's another place of protecting your assets from litigation, number one, while you're living. But then on, on top of that, when your time comes, Assets that are inside of a trust, as long as the trust is set up properly with proper instructions or what are called laws and bylaws inside the trust, then the trust does not go to probate. If you only have a will, your will goes to probate. Probate costs money and time. So that means that your inheritance, your children or whoever you're leaving your assets to, now have to go to court to claim what's rightfully theirs because that's what's in your will. But the government tries to take it first. And you have to claim it and prove it through the will. And that's called probate. And that costs money and it takes time. If your assets are inside of a trust, there is no probate. Your word is bond, which means that it is immediately enforced. And the best part about what I love about the trust is you can create if-than statements inside of a trust. So I could literally create milestones for my daughter to meet before she can inherit certain assets or certain portions of my uh, wealth that I'm leaving her that t- for inheritance. And this is important because statistically, um, within the second or third generation of Someone who has uh, made themselves wealthy, become a millionaire. You know, you work hard, you're not born a millionaire. You worked hard, you became a millionaire. Your children, they saw you working hard. they may they may appreciate it. but their grandchildren, they don't appreciate it. They don't know what it meant to get there. So by the third generation, if money is not protected, if if there are not measures in place, so that your your wealth is is uh, distributed and where where you can basically not only leave a legacy, but you can leave a legacy with instructions of how that legacy is to be divided and managed and um, received and and and, and um, basically uh, distributed over time based on milestones. Because I'll tell you this, if my, my if this is not the case, but if my grandparents were multimillionaires and they left a legacy and said, if Sebastian or if my grandchildren um, graduate high school with a 4.0 GPA, then on graduation, they can inherit $100,000. I promise you, when I was a kid, That would have been a lot. That that would have been more than enough motivation for me to focus, to get that 4.0 GPA. Right? But that's the power of a trust. You can literally create that for your future generations. And that, that for me, all of this comes back to my number one purpose, which is to honor God. Because God is not a God of me. He's a God of us. He's a God of not just my family, but my children's children's children. He's a generational God. And if we're only thinking about us now and not thinking about the future generations, then not only are we short-sighted, but we're not really truly honoring God, in my opinion. Sebastian, how can businesses or
0: people can reach out to you to get more information and resources or to get that loan started?
1: Yeah, definitely. You can, uh, the best thing to do is you could just go to the approved guy.com and you'll see just a menu of my different services from there. You can schedule a call with me. You can, you know, send me an email at Seb at the approved guy or the approved guy at Gmail. Um, you can also check out my YouTube channel, the approved guy. I have links in all of my descriptions and all my videos, depending on what I'm talking about, but you'll get a lot of value there on my channel. Um, again, I, I've, I've interviewed some of my banks, um, and you know, had very in-depth interviews on SBA conversations and other loans as well. Um, I'm working on on a debt restructure right now for a client that's over leveraged, over leveraged by four million dollars. He has four million dollars worth of of merchant cash advances. That's right, and I'm getting that restructured in a ten-year term on an SBA loan if you don't know merchant cash advances have like a daily or weekly payment and when you calculate an interest rate at the end of it you're paying between 35 to 45% interest and i'm putting i'm getting that restructured on a 10 year term with a regular monthly payment w- with right now the rate it, sba rates are always prime so prime is a little high now but even as high as prime is it's not 40% or 45% <laughs> You know, so it's much, 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 much better than what his situation is. And and those are types of things I like to do because that's helping somebody to get out of bad debt and get into something that's palatable, that's going to free up cash flow, that's going to allow him to expand and grow his business. Well, there you have it. The com, right? The ApproveGuy.com, OrangeFi.com, BusinessCredit101.com. These are all uh, my websites. You can get, get in touch with me or just do some more research. on the Which way.
0: the businesscredit101.com is more of an educational website, isn't it?
1: Well, that's actually, I turned that into a course. So on that uh, site, you can basically preview the course and purchase the course. And that's going to be a step-by-step instructions on building your business credit, which we started talking about, you know, today today. Um, But uh, it goes much, much, much further than what we started talking about. That was just kind of the tip of the iceberg.
0: Well, there you have it. If you're a startup or starting over, do not be a hesitation. If you want to build that business credit, if you heard good things about it, talk to Sebastian Boyer. He can head you to the right direction. If you don't get approved, Sebastian will get you approved eventually. It might take some time, but little by little. Sebastian Boyer, any closing words uh, before we head off?
1: Yeah, you know what? Um, uh I, I do a devotional that I read every day. um it's a Sons of the King devotional and uh this devote this one was on Sunday, I believe um and it was really powerful and it really had me re-evaluating double checking myself to make sure uh what I was doing is my purpose and my you know what I'm called to do and uh the topic of the the devotional was if you find your burden, you will find your destiny. Um, They quoted uh, Matthew 14, 14. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and he healed their sick. So it's an example of, you know, Jesus was moved by um, the multitude and based on what he saw, it, it burdened him. And that gave him passion to heal them. So wherever there is a problem, there's a solution and if you, if that problem burdens you it that might just be your purpose and calling
0: taking action sebastian boyer i appreciate you coming on to the leon productions podcast
1: thanks for having me brother love you man